This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Total Saints Podcast. We thought after yet another FA Cup weekend off for Saints, we'd sneak up on you with an unexpected episode pre-Arsenal. Depending where and when you are listening to this, it's been released on the Friday before Saints trip up to the Emirates, so very well done if you've noticed it and are listening. And alongside the no doubt fantastic news of this episode coming out, I'm pleased to say that after what feels like ages, the three of us, Steve, Adam and myself, are finally back together again. Quickly before we move on, just a, a quick thanks again to Sam Appleton, Simon Peach, Glenn Delacour and Freddie from the Ugly Inside for standing in as very able deputies. I hope you've been uh, keeping up with the podcast while you've been away Adam I certainly have yeah I got the impression that Glenn wasn't a massive fan of Shane Long <laughs> I don't think anyone was yeah so it was, it, there was a bit of a ganging up on Shane Long but I've got to say uh, I posted one of the episodes and I won't say which notice board but someone actually replied with the comment no Adam Leach no party <laughs> good lord <laughs> I don't really know what to say but uh, thanks I yeah. think well I didn't agree with it but there we go But uh, there we go tell us about the holiday and so you've been over in Asia I know this isn't total holiday podcast or total saints holidays or whatever but uh, yeah, ra- ra- yeah not yet rattle through the uh, itinerary then where have you been what have you been up to I have been in Thailand uh, Laos and Vietnam it was two weeks so I went Straight after Crystal Palace, basically. That was the last day I did, and I went for a fortnight, uh, booked so I could be back for the big FA Cup game at the weekend, which obviously didn't happen, so I could have had an extra couple of days on holiday, couldn't I? But um, typical Saints. Uh, They they will always frustrate and disappoint your holiday plans, I find. Um, Mm. 
but yeah it was great it was fantastic I had a great time it was really good um to get away and when um and to escape the winter and get some sunshine was lovely a uh, really great part of the world i've been a few times to bits and pieces out that way and really love it love the food people were lovely temperatures are great when it's very cold back home and when i went i thought to myself they'll draw with burnley and they'll beat cardiff and that when i come back it's basically pipe and slippers to the end of the season because it'll pretty much be cardiff will be done by then that means and then so you know saints would just be cruising into the end of the season little did i realize that cardiff would have six points and saints would be back in the bottom three yeah. and it would look like a very hard work end to the season all round so that was uh, a little more unwelcome but it was a fantastic trip good we have absolutely missed you and that's uh, the results on the pitch have missed you as well and your positivity but uh, just finally obviously you missed the uh, the chaos if we can call it that a transfer deadline day as well i mean you, you know how did you overcome that sort of disappointment uh, the transfer deadline day was while I was flying. I know. Um, I know. So As I, I found I, out. Yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, uh, I battled through it bravely by, um, by drinking the free booze on the plane as much as I could. And yeah. then, I must admit, when I first got Wi-Fi, I did check, and sure enough, I was like, yeah, that's what I expected to happen. Because on the Wednesday night at, at St Mary's, everybody had said, don't think anything's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, it didn't. I had to chuckle because there was a few tweets going. Oh, I don't. I'm not prepared to give up on Saints until Adam Leach or Adam Blackmore tweets. And I didn't have the heart to go. Uh, I'm not sure Adam Leach is going to tweet because he's currently 36,000 <laughs> feet in the air. But uh, there we go. So good stuff. I'm not posh enough to have internet <laughs> <in> Sky. <laughs> um, well, good to have you back. And Steve as well. You've been away in Dubai. So tell us about Dubai. Would you recommend it? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, now, I, I was posh enough to have um, internet in the sky. Uh, uh, em- that doesn't em- surprise em- us, does it? Really? Yeah, em- Emirates, no. do, Emirates do give you uh, do give you Wi-Fi, and uh, managed to watch a couple of games actually on the flight over. So, um, so I watched the um, City's demolition of Chelsea, which was um, highly entertaining, um, particularly when you managed to work out who on the plane was supporting who. <laughs> um, like half half the flight must have been uh, must have been watching it. Yeah. Um, but no, it was um, no, it was good. I mean, it's one one of Dubai's cooler months, I think, mm-hmm. um, of the year. But you got to sort of one, two o'clock in the afternoon. It was good high twenties, quite comfortably. Yeah. Um, and I mean, occasional breeze blowing around, as you'd expect being on the coast. But no, it was uh, very very pleasant, albeit um, eye wateringly expensive. And uh, I have to say, I saw a photo of you. What can best be described as riding a camel while wearing a bedsheet? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, we went on this um, on this desert tour. Um, so they basically pick, pick you up from the hotel in this 4x4, take you out to the desert, which is about a 40, 45-minute drive, kind of stop off at very tourist trap stores where they kind of dress you up in local garb and, and all that. So you get the uh, sort of tea towel cloth type thing with the, the bands around uh, around your head and then uh, the full sort of cotton dress type thing yeah. um, which actually proved to be invaluable once the sun went down because it got very cold in in the middle of the desert there you go. Um, so that was that was quite good but then from there they kind of drove you up um, sort of to this base camp off road and it was basically just an excuse for a bit of uh, dune bashing so driving like absolute lunatics um up and over the uh, all the all the sand dunes kind of going almost sideways at times wheel spins all, all that sort of jazz it was um yeah it was, uh, good fun and then once we were up there there was like um quad biking uh, camel rides that sort of thing yeah that's good it sounds very good yeah, so ben fun. just to conclude the ts holiday podcast <laughs> how was dundee well <laughs> 
I know, I know. It's been half term, obviously. I, I know everyone's different, aren't they, with half term? So uh, it's been half term. To, to be fair to Oliver, my little lad, he only got two days half term, Monday and Tuesday this week. So I felt a little bit sad for him, actually. But uh, yeah, we took them up to uh, to Dundee at the weekend, which I know does sound like a punishment more than a uh, reward. But uh, actually, actually, it was really good. It's been regenerated a lot, a bit like Southampton. It's going through a lot of change. And uh, we uh, we went up there, and uh, there's a new V&A museum up there, which was uh, very interesting. Every museum is free, generally, in Scotland. So it's uh, always a cheap day out and uh, we also went on the Discovery which is the uh, the boat that took uh, Captain Scott and Ernest Shackleton and the clan down to uh, the South Pole uh, when they were first exploring that in the early 20th century so actually Adam and the weather was good as well so I can't complain it wasn't Dubai it wasn't uh, Asia but the kids enjoyed it and that is the most important thing all right well moving on from total holiday podcast then uh, this is uh, TSP 64 so what we'll uh, be chatting about in this podcast is the uh, Arsenal game of course which is coming up this weekend we'll also have a chat about Michael Obafemi's new deal we'll reflect on some gowing ons with our owner and Lander Sports and also God. here well, <laughs> I, I've been working on that so, the pod's back and so are the bad puns um, and we'll also hear from James Hallett of Happy Hot Tubs who of course are our sponsor for 2018-19 right lastly before we get going it's Patreon time again and a mixture of good and bad news this week actually and uh, certainly not least an apology from myself so firstly the good news both Mark Atkins and Giorgio Spagagna I hope I've pronounced that right have both become TSP's latest patrons so thanks very much to you both for signing up very much appreciated and uh, welcome to the TSP fold secondly the apology you may remember in the last episode that John from San Francisco became a patron via patreon.com slash total saints pod and he emailed us to challenge his best mate and fellow saints fan Alex Hart to become a patron too and uh, I even laid the gauntlet down to Alex so uh, suffice to say that Alex has been in touch and uh, rather awkwardly for me he did actually become a patron of the podcast in November so that was slightly awkward and I'm uh, totally blaming it on Adam not being here that I couldn't check Patreon but uh, suffice to say that Alex did drop us a line to say good news is that I am a patron and uh, I signed up in November so I very very wholeheartedly apologise to Alex we were hoping to get Alex on this episode of the podcast so that we could uh, apologise in person but unfortunately a mixture of a master's thesis that he's working on and a bit of the flu over in San Francisco means that he's going to be on in due course but Alex I know you'll be listening so very much apologise Adam as I say I uh, solely blame yourself for that well, it's very easy to do that when I wasn't in the country, so I don't, exactly. I don't blame you. I'd have done exactly the same if the boot was on the other foot. To be fair to Alex, he replies saying uh, that I seem to blame you for everything, so there we go. <laughs> but, good God, we've got absolutely mad that already. That is true. Yeah, well, exactly. So there we go. Anyway, right, let's go on the podcast. I think that's enough waffle. Um, episode 64, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Happyhottubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit happyhottubs.co.uk Happyhottubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. After those couple of weeks off and a trip to Tenerife, Saints are off to face Arsenal this weekend. In the last pod, Simon Peach said that it was a bit of a free hit for Saints, Adam. Do you agree with that? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with Peachy. Right. Um, just because it's Peachy or just because you don't think it's a free hit? Oh, a bit of both. But no, I don't think it's a free hit now. Not after the last two results. I, can't, I, I just can't feel like that. I feel like this period of four games coming up now in, in fairly quick succession um, before... A very unwelcome three-week break, which mm. I think, unfortunately, is is actually 
probably going to be bad news for Saints, I think. Um, They're very difficult games, but they're now crucial because Mm. they've boxed themselves into a corner with one point from Palace, one point from Burnley and nothing from Cardiff. They've put themselves uh, right back in a hole again that they just about looked like they had extricated themselves from. And uh, games are running out now. So they've got to they've got to start doing something. And if you're not going to beat the teams around you, uh, which they haven't done, then you're going to have to beat some teams that aren't around you, uh, because I think it's pretty clear that you're not going to stay up if you don't win. Well, I don't even know how many points it's going to take, but they're, they're certainly probably going to have to get at least four more wins mm. and games are running out. Given Saints' inconsistency throughout the season, I don't think you can complacently just look at it and go, oh, it's all right, got Fulham at home, got Huddersfield at home on the last day, that's two of them. Uh, and then you just, you know, chuck in uh, Bournemouth, who always beat Bournemouth, so it'll be Bournemouth again. And, and, you know, I can't even remember who else they've got, but one other. And that's going to that's gonna do the job. I think the problem will be if these games, these four games, don't go well, and by well, I mean, you, clearly they're difficult fixtures. You're not going to win them all, obviously. Mm. But at least you could get some points on the board and get a slight sense of momentum. If you don't, if the worst happens and you come out of this period with three points, maybe four points from these four games, you could go into that three-week break, cut adrift in the bottom three, and then it is extremely hard to get out then, I think. It's mm. going to be very difficult if that happens. So... I think they are going to have to win at least one of those really tough-looking games as well as beat Fulham. So I can't feel it's a free hit because when I look at the three, Arsenal looks the most winnable match to me. Mm. Um, I know it's away from home, but we've got a good record generally at the Emirates, done pretty well, uh, beating them once this season. Let's be fair, we've beaten virtually nobody else. So <laughs> that's a good omen. And Arsenal coming off the back of a Europa League game that they've got to take seriously and playing a style that I think really suits the way Harsen Hootel has set Saints up. Yeah, the counter-attacking style works much better for them than trying to break down teams that sit in against them. I think they have to view this as an opportunity to get a much-needed win. Feels like Groundhog Day yet again, doesn't it? But uh, there we go, Steve. Over the last 10 games uh, or so, Arsenal have only picked up one more point than the Saints' 15. I appreciate our forms being patchy the last couple of games. But as Adam said there, we beat them in December. We've got a decent record up at the Emirates. So it is certainly a side that we can go to and get something from. Yeah, definitely. Other than perhaps two or three individual players, I don't think there's an awful lot necessary to fear from Arsenal. They're going through another another one of their pretty iffy spells of form. Mm. Um, I mean, I watched their game against um, Bate Borisov, um, the away leg, uh, last week. And, I mean, they started off like an express train. First five, ten minutes, you thought, well, they're going to win this very easily and then they can uh, put their feet up for the second leg. Um, but then ten minutes in, they just stopped playing. Yeah. And they were absolutely bloody awful. If they put in that sort of performance against us, then they are right for the taking. Mm. Now, I mean, you would think having obviously lost that first leg and they're going to be looking at the Europa League as one of their, well, probably their only potential route back into the Champions League is going to be by winning the Europa League. So they're going to have to stick a lot of eggs in that basket, which means that I don't think they'll necessarily be at full strength against us on Sunday coming off the back of the second leg which as we release will have been yesterday but as we record is tomorrow so i mean 
Lacazette is suspended for that second leg, so he's going to play 90 against us on Sunday. But you could imagine that there will be quite a few others who won't necessarily be um, full fitness or um, sort of sharpness or will just be left out. Mm. And, I mean, defensively, they're an absolute train wreck. Yep. They're there to be got at through the set, through the mid- middle of midfield as well. So mm. as long as we can keep key players off of the ball in our final third, then I'd agree with Adam. It's our, it's our best opportunity of getting a, getting a positive result against one of the better sides in the league. Yeah, I know we can't necessarily be gung-ho because you, you do leave yourself vulnerable at the back, Steve, but would you go for it? Do you think it is that time of the season now? We're in the final third where every game is the uh, stereotypical cup final that you know, Saints should be positive and go for the win, or do you think they're, you know, they're probably looking to try and get four points from these two games one way or another? I think we should be positive, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a game where you would necessarily steam into them because... I mean, I think ultimately that plays that plays right into their hands as well. They they're a team that are quick, are quick in in attack and on and sort of in transition. So you don't want to leave too much space in behind you. Um, so I think ultimately we're going to probably try and defend relatively deep because they're going to have a lot of the ball. Mm. But then we'll look to try and be quick on on the counter when uh, when we win the ball back. I don't think we've got quite as many players who are who are suited to it, but. I mean, Nathan Redmond's been in been in good form for most of the season. So him and I mean, there's talk that Obafemi might be might be fit for this weekend as well. He might suit that role. Shane Long, perhaps, although I mean, his his form is it's becoming very difficult to justify a place in the team for him at the moment. Yeah. Particularly now that someone like Obafemi, with his with his pace and strength, now that he's getting back to being available again. All of a sudden, there's no there's no real justification for saying, well, we don't have anybody else to fulfil that role other than Shane Long. And uh, I mean, we know, as you mentioned, Adam, that you obviously had the pleasure of missing Burnley and the the Cardiff games. But you know, time of recording, you haven't been to see Ralph ahead of the Arsenal game, of course. But what do you think he's been working on with the players out in Tenerife, of course, and then back at Staplewood this week ahead of the game? Well, I think there's probably been an awful lot of defensive work going on, to be honest. You can't just keep on shipping goals. That's the problem they've got. Is it? Well, they've got problems scoring goals as well, I suppose. But I think there's only so much work that realistically they can do. Your limiter when it comes to scoring goals, to a certain extent, is the ability of the players you've got on the pitch to, to take chances because mm. they do create chances. And there's only so much you can do in that, really. Yep. Um the one thing that you can improve with really consistent drilling on the training field is defence. Now, the only downside of that is, of course, a, a lot of the problems that they've had. You wouldn't say the defence has been a shambles. You would say there's been some horrific individual errors for which, you know, it's hard to account in many ways, either because a player is up to it. They've lost concentration. They've bottled it a bit, whatever it may be. Um, you get these sort of things happen or, or it's just been a complete aberration for some you know, other bizarre reason. But I think that that's the one thing that, that he will feel that he could really work on and really try and, and and kind of drill into them. And it'll be interesting to see how they come back, because, of course, we've had a quite a bit of moaning when Ralph first took over that he didn't have much time to work with them. Mm. But he got great results since he's had more time to work with them. They seem to have struggled yeah, more, which backwards. is really really strange um i i hope we see some really good progress hopefully mm-hmm. um because i am really genuinely a little bit concerned about that three-week break i must admit i was when i realized sort of how it could fall when i when i was coming back i was thinking 
God, I really hope Watford get done by QPR. As unlikely as it seemed, because I worry about these long periods off for them. I get the Ralph having some more time to work with them, but I think when you're now in the in the situation they've got themselves into, I think you need to play. You need to not be dwelling on how badly things are going for you and staring at a, a bleak-looking league table and set of results. You kind of need to play more. Uh, so it would be good for them to get back and actually have four games. I think this is a good thing for them to actually have to play a little bit more often now. And yeah, hopefully we'll see uh, some improvements uh, from Ralph. But I think definitely defence and and sort of some general shape work mm. would have been very much top of the agenda. Yeah, I, I guess as you say, it's maybe focuses the mind a little bit more on these four games. And you know, Steve there alluded quite rightly that we've been struggling to sort of work out what's going on up top. But I, I was racking my brains this week, and I may be totally wrong, but even including the two cut games against Derby, I'm pretty sure it's only Chelsea away that we've not scored at least one goal in under Hazen, who told, of course Cardiff the first game were put into one side maybe. But there are still kiss of fate goals in the side. So if we can be a bit tighter at the back, Adam, and try and find a clean sheet from somewhere, you know, we have got the ability to stick the ball in the net even when we've not been playing well yeah and, and I still think that that is one of the reasons that they will so still survive this season I begin to feel more that it's a, looking like a skin of your teeth job again mm. um, and sitting here looking at the table and hoping that Brighton's capitulation continues a la Swansea last year and somebody else basically does the work for you almost and mm. keeps you up uh, which is exactly what happened last year but yeah, I, I think that they will get enough results together. And that's part of the reason why I think they are obviously defensively fallible, but they are still just about scoring goals. And the defence, as I said, I say again, is the one area that I think that you can really work on and you can really drill and you can improve, mm. um, which gives me more hope. If it was a case of, actually, you know what, the defence have kept a load of clean sheets, but it's been a whole heap of nil-nil draws because they just can't ever score a goal, Mm. I would be more concerned for them. Yeah, they're not scoring bucket loads of goals, but like you said, they are scoring regularly. And I think that that hopefully that will prove to be enough with Harsen Hootel's ability, hopefully, to really kind of get a grip of the defensive situation. Uh, Potentially as well with the return of Maya Yoshida, I would expect, to really do enough to keep them up. Just to make sure I uh, bang all the nails into the coffin, Arsenal have also conceded the top amount of goals in the top eight, so uh, that should make sure that uh, they keep a clean sheet against us. And as uh, Adam just alluded to there, Steve, I think uh, after the Cardiff game, Harzen Hootall promised changes. Of course, he's had plenty of time to think about it now, but there are a few more options available to him with the likes of uh, Yoshida and Obafemi coming back to fitness. Danny Ings, I think, you know, we hope may be around imminently. So what do you think he, he'll do or what would you do if you were Saints manager based on the, the sort of three games we had before the break in terms of personnel changes? Um, difficult to tell, really. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's what's gone on behind closed doors in training, but I think I would probably be bringing Yoshida in for Stevens. Um, that seems like a natural sort of choice, I think, for many of us, doesn't it? I, I would agree with you with that one. Yeah, I mean, beyond that, it's all just a little bit much of a muchness, isn't it? I mean, Mario Lamina seems no closer to coming back anytime soon. Whether you can trust him in in this system is a is probably another question that needs that needs asking. But then it's it's all about who you play up front, and again, can you rely on Danny Ings? Possibly not, given what we've seen in the last two to three months. Yeah. If you know that he's he's only what 
half an hour away from um, from picking up another niggling injury that keeps him out for two to three weeks. Why not kind of set up your training and work on a system that doesn't include him? Because mm. that might then see Obafemi starting, perhaps. I'd be absolutely amazed if he's uh, looking at Sam Gallagher as any sort of likely option. Yeah. I mean, tossing him on for the last, what, 10 minutes or so against Cardiff was just an absolute waste of time. Because yep. um, all we did was end up just lumping the ball up to him. It's like, well, look at Cardiff centre backs for goodness' sake. Mm. They're massive. They yeah. can win everything. Yeah. And Gallagher's not much of a target man. I think no. this is the mistake people make because people just always say to me, yeah. "Yeah, play Gallagher because we can." Yeah, we've got a different option then. And really, you haven't. Gallagher from everything I've option, seen of him, just just six inches taller. Mm. Yeah, he is. The games I've seen him personally play best in, he has played what I would call the classic. Jay Rodriguez role as we would remember it where Rodriguez would drop deep but he's actually very skillful he runs with the ball well he takes people on he can shoot and score goals in that way but despite his height he's not great in the air and he's not physically hugely strong against really big strong center halves so that sort of target man game isn't where his his best strengths are so I think that people I believe people are mistaken. Who, who can, and I've heard this a lot saying, "I'll get Gallagher in the team because we can, yeah, you know, we can whack a ball up to him." Basically, well, I don't think that that is a realistic option. Well, I, I was looking at uh, the stats, and we mentioned about it earlier. So, since September 2014, in all competitions, Saints have won five, drawn two, and lost five of the 12 games um, during that time, Adam. So, Arsenal are one of those teams, and as we mentioned there, they are vulnerable. And I think, you know, we know at the back the likes of Mustafi and Koscielny, they aren't the fastest. So, it does mean that if Saints, you know, we've spoken about it before, and we spoke about it in the, the last couple of pods, you know, hopefully the the opportunity of these three games, Fulham aside, will be that the likes of Arsenal will attack Saints which will open up spaces behind them, which may, you know, being positive, play into our hands in some aspects. Yeah, as ridiculous as it sounds, I would rather that Saints were playing teams that attack them than teams that are going to shut up shop against them. Because the pattern of, well, not just this season, but to be honest, the last few seasons has been real struggle to win matches against teams that have camped in. Uh, we could go forever and a day into talking why the reasons for that are, but that's probably for another day. But mm. I think... Arsenal will attack them. In actual fact, I think Fulham will really suit Saints because I think Fulham are so bad at the back and are so foolhardy in in the way that they just go gung-ho most of the time that they will probably turn up at St Mary's and attack. I can't see them having the discipline to do what Cardiff did. Uh, Man United and Tottenham will obviously attack you, but... I think with those two, you've got the you know considerable problem that they're both fairly good at the back at this point in time, and they've got considerable quality up top. As whereas Arsenal are not great at the back, they have got some quality up top. But it, you know, when you look at it now, and we, as we're talking about, is all of it going to play? And if it does, if the star guys don't play, the second guys are they really to be feared? This is a chance, I think, mm-hmm. for Saints. I admit it's still hard. Arsenal are fifth. They got more than double the number of points of Saints for a reason. But nonetheless, to me, this feels like a chance of if you're going to get another result, an unlikely result, having fluffed your lines, as it were, with the results you should have got. This feels like a chance to me. It's, It's just it's tough, but it's a chance. Right, let's uh, rattle through some predictions then. Let's uh, crack on, Adam. Obviously, we've got to let you go first for the rest of the season, bearing in mind the furore, if we can call it that, that you caused before you went off. But uh, 
what are you uh, going to go with for this game then? Uh, well, I'll tell you Whoa. what. I'll tell you what. I, <laughs> I will, I'll tell you what. Okay, fine. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory. Yeah. Jesus. That's good. 2-1 seat. Uh, Steve, you? Um, yeah, don't know. Um, You've had a week to I, think about this, yeah, Steve. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I kind of I think that Arsenal are going to have to go all guns blazing on... Uh, on Thursday, so they might be a little bit knackered. Um, yeah. But yeah, two all, I think. Two all, good. All right, you do like your two all draws. So um, obviously, I'm going for an Arsenal two one win. But I, uh, oh, I was so close to the Cardiff game because obviously, as you remember, I had Cardiff to win one nil, and of course, I then had the emotion taken out of the three points for the Premier League table that uh, Jack Stevens equalised. So of course, I was made up by uh, that, and then of course, Cardiff went down the other end and scored. So not only did Saints lose, but I then lost the three points from the. Uh, Prediction League as well, so I only got one for Cardiff winning, but uh, there we go. Um, You're just like Saints, dropping well, points to winning positions. <laughs> exactly, yeah, I've probably lost the most from uh, uh, from the three of us this season. But just finally, before we go, Adam, I knew obviously you'd be back for this game, because Arsenal, of course, is your favourite hospitality. I love Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I do love Arsenal. Yeah. The, the, food at, um, the food at Chelsea is the best, in terms of just the food. Uh, but Arsenal's food is very good though. But the whole setup is just really excellent at the Emirates. I mean, as anybody is it the, is it the Emirates that's got that massive ice cream fridge? Yeah, you always gone about the ice cream, don't you? Emirates, he does, he does. Yes, it has got an ice cream fridge. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't get ice cream at Samaris anymore this season. You know, no. we don't. It's uh, no, they're doing. They've gone. They've tried to go up market, so we get like a choice of a couple of desserts, and they're they're all sort of very yeah, these sort of arty, fancy looking type desserts. Yeah. So we get those, so we don't get the ice cream anymore. But Emirates, more cheesecake. <laughs> it, it may be a, a cheesecake, but it'll be a cheesecake with a, like a twist. It won't be like just a normal slice of cheesecake. It'll be uh, something that looks a little bit fancier than that. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the ice cream at Arsenal is really, really exceptional. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it already. But the, the whole setup of the ground, just from a – forget the food for a moment, but from a working point of view, is just brilliant for journalists. So everything has been really well – laid out and really well thought out in terms of like where your areas are to to work and to move between the the various parts of the ground it's just yeah i love it it's a fantastic ground to go to good excellent all right well i hope you enjoy it and uh bring back some ice cream for steve and i right now for 2018-19 we've been very proud to have happy hot tubs a fair and based family business as our sponsors earlier this week i caught up with one of their lead men james hallett to talk about unsurprisingly hot tubs and his love of saints James, thanks for joining us here on TSP. It's great to have you with us. Um, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about the business, your involvement in it, and uh, its success to date. Yeah, um, Happy Hot Tubs is run by me and my dad and my brother, Ed, all Mad Saints fans. We have six stores um, across the South and the Midlands selling hot tubs, um, accessories, we repair, we do... Um, covers and uh, for hot tubs and things like that. Um, yeah, um, and we seem to be seem to be a seventh store as well. So um, yeah, all, all all systems go. <laughs> Where, whereabouts are the stores then, James? So for anyone that's listening, that's sitting at home and thinking, you know, summer's coming, I want to get a hot tub. I need to convince the wife first, but if I can do that, I'm going to nip down to Happy Hot Tub. So whereabouts are your stores located? So across the south coast, we start off in Three Legged Cross, and then we're at Cadnam Garden Centre. We're also at Hillier's Garden Centre in Botley. Um, and then our head office in Sherman is in Fairham. 
which is in a PO postcode, which is a bit of a challenge. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention but we've that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we've learned to deal with it. And then uh, we have Worthing, and we're soon to open Ronan's Castle, which is very... It's another PO, PO postcode. postcode, yeah, exactly. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, so. <laughs> apologies um, and then we have one in Redditch, which is in uh, you know the south of the Midlands. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's good. And uh, yeah, obviously do hot tubs, chemicals, accessories, all the other things you mentioned there. So as an industry, then I can't say I know too much about hot tubs. I, I can't imagine too many of our listeners will, James. But what kind of industry is it like to, to work in? I, I mean, I'm thinking glamour straight away. I mean, it's really sensible, as you can imagine, with a company <laughs> called Happy Hot Tubs selling <laughs> bubbling hot water. Yeah, it's a, no, it's a, it's a good laugh. I mean, it's, it's great. Um, we obviously deal with a wide variety of people. I think that generally people think that we are going to be dealing with like these lottery winning millionaire type mm. not normal hard-working people who want to relax and sit in a garden actually use the garden a bit more yeah. um so they're the sort of people but basically yeah my dad started building hot tubs in the 80s and then he's been in the industry a long time uh, he's done a, a mixture of different things and me and my brother more recently have come into the business to just he's very good at letting us kind of Get, if we have any ideas, we just crack on with it, really, and uh, he's, he's very good like that. But, yeah, it's something that we've all grown up with. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely more popular than ever in regards to people actually knowing what they are. Because mm. before, most of the time, explaining what this thing was. Yeah. Now, people know what they are. Have you been in one? Uh, I have been in one, yeah, I have been in one. Um, I, I, I've got to say, I've had a conversation with the wife a couple of times about getting one. It's a bit like a dog, though, James. She seems to say it's too expensive and I won't look after it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, well, this is, this is a common misconception that how expensive to run. I would say it's less hassle than a dog. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, don't cost much to run now. So yeah. they that's one of the major things. Because obviously electric, all of our bills are going up. The last thing you want to do is stick something in the garden that's going to triple it. You mm, know? Mm. Um, so that that helps. Um, yeah. And they don't need as big a power supply as well. So you can just plug it in a normal plug most of the time. There you go. And the one the, the one that I do remember going in most recently had disco lights, which obviously took it to a different level, really. It's, it's all about the disco yeah, lights. Yeah, it is. Got to um, have them. I, I can imagine, you know, in terms of running a hot tub company, you obviously mentioned Redditch. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm thinking sort of sitting in a hot tub, glass of champagne, looking at the stars in the Southampton area. There's few places in the world that are better than doing that. <laughs> yeah you're totally right you know the south coast for the uk as a whole is a kind of hotbed for hot tub action yeah. as it were you know we don't have a lot of um we don't have a lot of southampton players at our customers we have in the past yeah. but yeah. uh you're right yeah sitting so a sort of um bit in park on the top of the hill there looking out across just about to see st mary's lovely yeah. Brilliant. Now, well, a few of the chaps at Saints will be listening to this, James, so you never know, there might be a few players in touch. But, uh, look, you, you did say uh, at the start that, uh, you know, we should add Happy Hot Tubs are not affiliated with any of the South Coast football teams. We should probably put that out there. But you and uh, the family obviously very much are Saints fans, James. So moving on to talk about some of the football, you, you were telling me just before we came on air that you go home and away following Saints and the Europa Tour and that sort of thing. So some of your sort of favourite memories and experience of following Saints over the years? Yeah, I mean, we do go as much as we can. And I think for me, one of my favourite games was Leighton Orient away, League One. Lee Barnard scored, didn't he? That was yeah. yeah, I remember. I think uh, it's just a really, I don't know what happened to me, but it's a very emotional day for me. <laughs> <laughs> when we had that whole stand, and it yep. was just amazing. And I suddenly, I'd gone in and out of love with Saints, especially, I really felt out of, fell out with Saints with George Burley and that sort of time and mm. then 
I'd really got back into it again and I was at university and I kept coming but I was in London so it was easy. they were they were great games to go to and that was one of my favourite memories, especially the whole League One championship yep. time yep. to me was one of my favourite times. Obviously then going to Europa League with, you know, Ronald and all that stuff was great, but to me I still reminisce about those days. I know it sounds really terrible, it doesn't. but I you, love those days. You, you can't beat winning football matches, which I know the, the Premier League obviously brings a lot of money to the club and the air and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, any football fan like you and me, James, we want to win football matches and we were a lot better at doing it in those days. Oh, it was amazing. It was basically, like with that 125-year shirt we had, mm, uh, mm. it was like a dream team, a football league dream team, in my opinion. It was. Dean Hammond in there and, uh, you know, Lee, when we bought Lee Barnard, it was just like we were going around buying all the best strikers in the football league. And then Billy Sharp, and, then, and I love Billy Sharp, and I think it's great what he's doing at mm. um, Sheffield United. I'm really enjoying watching him, actually. It's a real shame, because I feel like he could have done a little bit more if he was chance. But, yeah, um, yeah. And, and some of your idols sort of growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming sort of, as for those that don't know, yeah, we, I mean, we obviously used to play cricket, so I've got a rough idea of your uh, your age, James. But I'm, I'm trying to think, did you get a, did you get enough time to see Matt Letizier, or was that you a bit too young? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, so. actually, actually um, I used to, not stalk is the wrong word, but I used <laughs> to hang around the ground so much that... Um, in the end, I used to say, oh, I've got your signature. I've had it, I've had it loads, loads yeah. of times. I mean, he is obviously one of the best. I was, I was, when I played a little, I played a lot of football when I was younger, and I was, I was coached. I don't know if you remember a guy, a player called Maskell. Craig Maskell. Yeah, Craig Maskell, was it? He um, used to train me, and I used to think he was like awesome because he was <laughs> played in the old Dimplex shirt or whatever. Right. But yeah, obviously, Latiz. I like seeing what Franny does in and around the club now. It's so great to see those guys back, uh, like, welcome again. I know yeah. that sounds a bit weird. Yeah, but, I know what you mean. Yeah, many fans. Uh, really. Yeah, just, and, and it's a really nice thing they do, and, the, and you get the, they're having le- different legends come in every week. But one I really like, and this is, again, a really odd player to like, but it's Paul Jones, the goalie. Mm, yeah. um, absolutely, not a sort of calamitous ledge. You know, it's sort of like, yeah. like, just amazing. I got to meet him the other week because he came into the Saints to do a talk. Yeah. And he's just the nicest, humblest, non Oh, I don't know how many yeah, non-footballer type guys. Yeah, you know? I know what you mean because I mean when he started with Saints, when Dave James bought him, he he did look a bit flappy. But I remember he got Player of the Season that that one season. He did, you know, he went from sort of cradle to grave with Saints. He became, you know, got the the Wales opportunity, didn't he? So yeah, I I, I think yeah. it's a good shout. And in, in the current squad, James, I mean, there's a lot of frustration around our fan base about the quality in the squad at the moment. But is there any particular one or two players in the squad at the moment that get you on the edge of your seat? I think uh, Hoiberg, for me, shows passion and, and desire a lot. And I think he, uh, as though he doesn't necessarily get in the edge of my seat, although he's had a couple of decent shots and goals recently, yeah. I just absolutely, that player that we have in the middle just epitomises what we need at times. And I think he, I love listening to him after the game, because if we've played terrible, he says, we have played terrible, I'm gutted, and he's just very honest. And I, such a young lad, I think he's 23 or 24, mm, he, mm. he speaks so well, and I know it's not about how they speak, but I, that, for me, at the moment, he's a real shining shining light. I have up and down moments with Nathan Redmond, I think he's really, really come on and playing really well, but for me, Hoiberg is the where we need to 
build from, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So just just finally, then, what have you made of this season? And Ralph Hasenhutl, there's a, a lot of work to do between now and the end of the the season, of course. But what have you made of his impact at Saints, and you know, I guess short and long term that he could bring to the club? Yeah, I think that he, again, his whole mentality. I watch him on the side of the pitch. He's so involved. He so cares. And for the first time in ages, when we lose, I'm not. I've never. I've never really been one to slate the manager. I try my best to keep behind him. But I actually feel for Ralph because I sometimes think he's really wants this and mm. he's frustrated himself. So I just think he's changed the whole whole atmosphere there's a talk with him next week i'm going to try and go to or the next week, the week after and i just think he's a real positive i think he's probably the most positive person we've had in since probably when kuman first came in yeah um and just the way he talks and i just got the faith in him i, I people ask me we're we going to go down i think no we got ralph like i would be all right that was my next question so you've answered it already Let that was my final question right, do you think you'll survive this season so you're, you're more than confident james I, I, I think we will. However, I wouldn't be as upset as I would have been three or four years ago. I think the Premier League is a very, almost a, for a football fan, it's a challenging environment because we're in a dangerous place of just being, and not making the numbers like that, it sounds terrible, but it feels I was, like... I actually agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is the uh, right phrase, personally, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, but yeah, so we're, we're there and when we're, we did obviously have that amazing season where we finished you know i think we were was it six or something like yep. seventh whatever it was it was amazing but the reality was we hit that ceiling you look at teams like everton who tried to press and do that with buying people like sigerson and even like, walcott or whatever those those sort of players they're spending big money still not helping them so as much as it sounds terrible i do care but i wouldn't see it as a disaster i love tuesday saturday tuesday saturday tuesday saturday mm. and the, and uh, and I, I and I know that's probably the wrong mentality, but I think we will stay up. But I'm a bit bored of the corporate Premier League at times. I think that's uh, more than a, a fair statement, James. But uh, look, I could talk to you for for hours. But uh, you know, really appreciate and uh, you know, pleasure having you on the uh, the podcast. Uh, I think uh, I've got to say, I think like everyone, James, listening, uh, I've I've had your jingle in my head all season since we've been playing. I literally find myself singing it at work, just going happyhottubs.co.uk and all that sort of thing. So, uh, um, yeah, I mainly so. apologise, Ben. I'm so sorry for uh, for everyone that doesn't know. It's all your own work, right? Yes, yes, it's our jingle. Yes, it's us. It's written by us, and it's um. And now I voice the ad as well. Funny enough, yeah. I've just come out of a recording studio to do our next lot. So a man of many it's talents. Fun. Well, yeah, a man of many talents for a man <laughs> on a shoestring budget. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Well, look, on a serious note, um, you know, really, really grateful. It's, it's nice to have the opportunity to sort of say thank you to you and Simon, all the all the team at Happy Hot Tubs for for sponsoring and supporting us this season, and uh, obviously wish you the uh, continued success with the business, James. Yeah, thanks. We're really, really proud to uh, be supporting the podcast. And although we don't shout about it, um, <laughs> you know, for professional reasons, we are absolutely mad Saints fans. So. <laughs> Fantastic. No, really appreciate so, yeah. it. And, uh, just, uh, yeah, finally, before we go, don't forget you can get 10% off all Happy Hot Tubs, chemicals and accessories if you mention this podcast in one of James stores. Saints podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant.
sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Another big thanks to James for joining this episode of TSP and also to Happy Hot Tubs for being our sponsor this season. Now, before we finish up, just a, a couple of uh, bits of Saints news to talk about then. Um, it was announced earlier this week, Steve, that Michael Obafemi has signed a new deal to 2022. What was your uh, sort of initial thoughts on that? I imagine any young talent that we can keep at the club and involved in and around the first team will be welcome. Yeah, I mean, he's shown promising signs in uh, patches, I think, hasn't he? Um, hmm. Particularly given a... Let's face it, he's coming into a, what has been a pretty awful side for the most part in the last um, 18 months or so. So, yeah, I mean, given that he was out of contract at the end of the season, I think having um, featured before he got injured before Christmas, I think, yeah, it's good news. At least get him tied down for a, for a number of years. And I mean, I think now it also gives, well, kind of both parties, if you like, a little bit of breathing space so he can he can relax into just focusing on his football again without mm. the without the sort of potential noise of oh not quite sure what's going on in my future beyond the end of May. Yeah. So I mean certainly he's he's still got a lot of improvement to go, but the kid's only nineteen. He's um he's got plenty of years ahead of him. I think my concern with him is um sort of ruthlessness in front of goal because mm. while he's obviously, he obviously got that goal up at Huddersfield, in a lot of the games he's played he's had presentable chances and hasn't taken them. Yeah. Um, and that is ultimately going to be the determining factor as to whether he succeeds or fails at the, at the highest level. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see. I guess you should say your runner games hopefully will bring him that uh, sort of edge in front of goal. But I, I guess the other thing with him, Steve, and not wanting to think too far ahead, is you think of the, the success that Lukman had at Leipzig under Haas and Hootel last year. It, it could be a similar sort of, you know, he clearly rates Obafemi. I know you made the comments about his physicality and his fitness and his professionalism and that sort of thing. But it could be a similar sort of, you know, mould in terms of someone like an Adam Ola Lukman that Haas and Hootel can really use well in the side going forward over the longer term. Yeah, quite possibly. And... Speaking of Lookman, he's he's the sort of player that we should be looking at in the summer. If if Everton aren't going to play him, then he is absolutely perfect for what we need. Mm. Um, obviously a slight tangent, but yeah, certainly. I mean, Hazen was has obviously got a record of bringing bringing through young players, as you say. And at the end of the day, if the players have got the right attitude and they've got the talent, then they're going to get a chance. And and we've seen that quite a lot already since he um since he arrived. Mm. Moving on to uh, our owner, Mr. Gal, then, Adam. Over the last couple of weeks or so, it's uh, been news coming out of the Far East around Lander Sports and uh, some of the uh, sort of uh, changes around share ownership over there. So I thought it'd be interesting just to get your view on that from a, a sort of journalistic point of view. I know, having got back in the country, you put a piece out saying that uh, Saints were obviously confident that it wouldn't have too much of an impact on his ownership with Saints. But just, I guess, for maybe those of us that aren't as close to goings on, and there has been a little bit of an element of a, a fear around, you know, what What's that going to mean for him? Is he going to sell the club? Does it really not impact it at all? I mean, what, what's your sort of general view and thoughts around that situation? Uh, yes, Mr. Gale, that was a really welcome return back <laughs> to uh, the UK, walking through a storm of what's going on with Mr. Gale. And then the inevitable, no matter what you write, I got a barrage of abuse, uh, of course. About I, saw, it. I, I was um, reading some of the comments. Yeah, there's, uh, there was a few digs, wasn't there? But there we go. I'm sure there were. I don't actually read most of the comments on our website. I learned a long time ago that that was a very futile exercise. Um, I, I, I do because some of them are very enjoyable. <laughs> we'll sure leave it there. Posted them on. <laughs> I've um, got uh, 28 usernames. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. In terms of the ownership, um, nothing changes. Basically, it's business as usual. Really, um, Saints were apparently uh, informed ahead of time of what was happening at Lander Sports. 
of course, the interesting thing is this doesn't affect Saints uh, because Atlanta Sports do not own Southampton Football Club. Mm. It's a it's a UK based company that was formed specifically to be the vehicle to buy Saints. But what what's interesting, the thought that did cross my mind was, of course, that up until they couldn't basically you know get the deal done with Lander and get the money out of China that way. It was actually going to be Lander Sports that were going to buy Saints. In all the initial talks, it, it was very much Lander Sports. So this could have blown the whole ownership of Saints wide open, but actually it hasn't. And what does it change from a gal point of view? Well, nothing, mm. um, because this was being run as a self-sustaining business, i.e. Gao is not investing into the club beyond the purchase that he made. So he's not making further investment in the club. Uh, that doesn't change. He's also not removing any money from the club. He's allowing it to be reinvested, any profits that have generated. Uh, and that doesn't change. And so really you come to the conclusion, well, nothing has actually changed. Whether he wanted it or not in terms of the share sale in land of sports, I mean, it's very hard to judge from a distance. But what we do know uh, is that he's got wealthier mm. uh, and he's got less on his plate. Uh, in terms of other stuff other than Saints, he still has a significant shareholding, I think. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the main point I'd make about Gao, as far as I can make out, is I'm just slightly baffled by, and I get the impression there's a lot of people in the club who are baffled by his sort of, you know, I see popped up a Westminster mm. tweet, a picture with MPs. There was a piece with him where he'd invited a journalist the other day. From it was a it was a I think it was UNICEF. Yeah, it was walkforpeace.eu. Yeah, it was something weird, but they were, were having dinner with him and his family. Mm. Uh, he's on Twitter, being in Westminster. He's going to a lot more games now. I thought he was private, Adam. I box. thought he was a private he's man. He's such. Don't forget, Ralph Kruger told us he's such a private man. He's a very private man. Very private. He. He is pretty much doing the opposite of what I would imagine a private person would do. <laughs> and so I just desperately hope that Ralph, when I next speak to Ralph, and I inevitably ask him about Gal, doesn't say that again, because mm. I don't want to have to just laugh at Ralph in his face. <laughs> because there's, no, there's nothing else you can do, because this is becoming such a, like a charade almost. Mm. Um, you know, he's going and talking to the MPs about apparently about what he's doing at Saints. And yet he doesn't feel it necessary to speak to the fans. I mean, no. it's it's absolutely extraordinary. And I think that it's, it's about time that something was done, something was said, or at least it was kind of indicated that it will be. Mm. You know, even if they said, look, we he doesn't really want to do anything and disrupt the season. I can kind of get that at this stage now. We've got this far. But kind of, but he is going to sit down and answer some proper questions you know, in the summer or make his intentions clear in the summer, because you just continually come to this point that I'm not convinced that anybody at Saints really knows what he's doing with the club or why he's bought it. Mm -hmm. And the reason they can't explain it is because they just don't know. And until something else happens to suggest otherwise, then I think that's the only assumption we can work under. So it's all the whole thing is just strange isn't it let's be honest it's just slightly strange yeah I, I commented on it the other day Steve on uh, Twitter and someone uh, replied you know not necessarily aggressively quite rightly I thought saying do, you know do we feel he's got an obligation to talk to fans and I think you know my response was of course he doesn't have an obligation to speak to fans but there is still a lot of concern and uncertainty around him I think and exactly what he wants to do with Saints and uh, you know we were all assuming that he's leveraging it for business opportunities in the UK and of course as Adam said to, to make some cash but 
Do, do you think we're we're being unrealistic going on and on and on about wanting to hear from him where don't hear much from other football owners or do you think bearing in mind he has been in charge of Saints for 18 months we've literally heard diddly squat on what he wants to do you know the club is still expecting fans to pay lots of money to come and sit on the seats and uh, cheer the team on without really knowing where we're going what we're doing what our, our goals and sort of strategy is that we actually should be pushing to hear from him a bit more um I don't know really my take on it is that we know the way that the club has been run historically over a period of what 10 years or so it's I mean particularly since we since we got back into the Premier League it's been very clear that we basically run the club on the money it generates mm. and it's obviously generating more and more money uh, these days thanks to the improved TV deals um, the improved sponsorship agreements that the club is signing with um, with all sorts. I'm, I'm fully expecting us to sign some deal with sort of official Chinese noodle supplier or something. <laughs> the, the, sort of, the sort of thing that Man United routinely um, announce every week. Oh, we, yep. we've got a, got a new sponsor in the, in the Far East, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, here's some more money for literally nothing. And that's great in terms of being able to provide more uh, guaranteed revenue for the club, which means that we can then sustain the ridiculous wage bill that we've somehow accrued over the last two or three years as a result of pretty poor performance in the transfer market Mm. and I mean for me I think I would only want to hear from Gal if the intention was to do anything other than carry on as a self-sustaining club that we have done over the over the previous seven eight years or so if he's got different ideas then yeah by all means I'd love to hear them Otherwise, what's the point in just parroting out, oh, it's business as usual? We know it's business as usual. It's kind of just a waste of everybody's time, and everyone should just assume it's business as usual. Until there is some sort of sign that it isn't, and, I mean, you you wouldn't have to wait for the accounts to be released or anything like that. Somehow that information would get leaked out if there were if there was any problem or, or the sort of direction of the club had changed and money was being um, paid out in dividends and all this sort of stuff that you hear people um, sort of fret about, which never actually happens. I mean, a number of people I've seen post on Twitter and on forums and all kinds of places saying, oh, um, where's all the money gone? Go into players' pockets, for goodness sake. That's what happens in football. Yeah. It's not gone into the pocket of the owner unless the club suddenly starts generating a whole load more cash, which realistically isn't going to be happening anytime soon then there's not going to be any money being siphoned out of the club to um to third parties it's just not feasible Thanks for listening to this episode of TSP. It's always appreciated. And again, also thanks to James from Happy Hot Tubs as well. We'll be back at the weekend post-Arsenal pre-Fulham for Monday AM in the UK release. The big question on all of our lips after Arsenal is, will Adam Leach admit Fulham is absolutely must win? Tune in then to find out. Thanks. And until next time, guys, keep marching in.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.